Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, the IKP. Uh, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid. I'm yours truly. So <laughs> we got a lot to get into. Obviously, we got a lot to get into. I know you guys are ready to hear me. This is a Saturday episode, so let's get it jumping. Let's get it started. A Saturday episode. I repeat, a Saturday episode. I hope I hope everybody, each and every one of you guys listening, hope you guys are having a blessed day. Hope you guys are doing fine, feeling good. Um, <clears throat> NBA playoffs, more NBA playoff talk, obviously. We, you know, you know how we coming. You know, you know, you guys know how I'm coming. NBA playoff talk, more to talk about. Uh, the second round it starts this Saturday. I think the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks are playing. Um, I can't wait to see that series. I cannot wait to see that series. Like I said, I am gonna bring on um, bring I'm gonna bring back my guest next week on next week's episode so we can break down the second round and so forth but obviously we got some big news to get into obviously we all know we all know what is what's happening we all know what's the topic the topic of discussion we had two teams last night or well by the way guys this is friday it's friday when i'm recording this so last night thursday night we had two teams that got sent home eliminated in the first round uh, we had obviously the Phoenix Suns eliminate the Los Angeles Lakers in six games, four games to two, um, and we also had the Denver Nuggets eliminate the Blazers in six games as well. So Dame's, you know, Dame's future in Portland a bit cloudy after a cryptic Instagram post. It's a bit cloudy. In Portland right now, as far as concerning Dame, you know, Damian Leonard's uh, future. And obviously, it is um, L.A., man. L.A. Whew. The city of L.A. The city of L.A. may be, you know, maybe in, you know, by the time you guys hear this, you guys would know the outcome of the Clippers game. So, <laughs> depending on what happens in, you know, with this Clippers game, uh, <laughs> the, city, the city of L.A., it's going to be quiet. Um, no. But so let's start with the Lakers. Let's start with the Lakers and Phoenix Suns. Obviously, the Lakers lost. And and before I even get into the Lakers, and before I even get into my soliloquy about the Lakers, let me first congratulate the Phoenix Suns. Congratulations to the Phoenix Suns for advancing to the second round and beating the defending champions. First and foremost, let's start with Devin Booker. Devin Booker. Um, he was the best player in this series. Simple as that. He was the absolute best player in this series in his playoff debut. This is a, this was like shout out to all the young stars, all of the young emerging superstars in basketball. Trey Young, Luka Doncic, uh, Devin Booker, and I'm not saying all of these guys are going to be superstars. No. But I'm saying shout out to the faces of the like the future faces of the league. Um, even the guys that didn't win playoff series, like Jason Tatum and uh Ja Morant, even those guys, the the the, the league, it, it's really in a good hand. It's really it's gonna be in some good hands. And I feel like we're we're gearing towards a shift in the league. But as I was saying about Devin Booker, congratulations to Devin Booker. He played phenomenal. He played phenomenal, and he was the best player throughout the series. Um, obviously, he capped this he capped this series off with a forty seven point game. Um, so, congratulations to uh, Devin Booker. Shouts out to him, DeAndre Aiden. I mean, first playoff series as well. Young guy, he played phenomenal. He shot around. He shot just above ninety percent around the rim. So he he beasted and feasted in the paint in the paint. Um, you know, he, he he controlled like down low. He can he had his way down low with you know with whoever eight with you know whether that was Andre Drummond or Marcus Saul, Montrez Hurled, you know, he he had his way down low. He he definitely outplayed, you know, outplayed the bigs. Um Chris Paul, obviously, Chris Paul doing what Chris Paul does. But even some of the role guys like Cameron Payne, Cameron Payne. 
played some phenomenal minutes, stepped in, played some phenomenal minutes. Um, and at times, look, look, he looked a bit better than Chris Paul. Uh, obviously, Chris Paul had this shoulder injury in game one. But shouts out to guys like Jay Crowder, Makai Bridges, Cam Johnson, uh, Monty Williams, the coach. The excellent job. Excellent job. So congratulations to the Phoenix Suns. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about them. Um, <clears throat> now the Lakers. Let's start with the Lakers. Let's start with Anthony Davis. Let's start with Anthony Davis. So AD obviously had uh he's he was hurt. He was hurt. He was he Anthony Davis was hurt. Anthony Davis dealt with some injuries th- all throughout the season. Um, and that was the tail of the tape in this series. Injuries, right? So first and foremost, AD didn't play in game five. He got hurt he first, he got hurt in game four. He didn't play in game five. Phoenix blasted the Lakers in game five. Game six, he tried to suit up and play. He only lasted a few minutes. It didn't last. His groin was too messed up. Now, first, now let's start with this. That who who you know, the Laker team doctor, like the Lakers team doctors, I don't know what they saw in pregame warm-ups. But I can tell the way how Anthony Davis was walking. Like, I was watching the Portland game, and they were showing Anthony Davis walking through the tunnel in, at Staples Center. And I could tell the way how he was walking, he wasn't, like, he wasn't 100%. So, he like, he was nowhere near 100%. It wasn't like he's at 85 No, he was nowhere near 100%. And I could tell just by the way he was walking. So, I'm very curious to know. What did the Laker team doctors or whoever see? What did they see in pregame warmups? Because at tip off and the few minutes that he played, you could clearly tell Anthony Davis was not a hundred percent. You could clearly tell. Stevie Wonder could have saw that Anthony Davis was not a hundred percent. Now, let's just talk about Anthony Davis' injuries and health, just in general. And I'm going to run through the injuries that he dealt with this season. I have a whole list of them. Not, not just his, not, not his career, but just this season. This is So the injury list starts off with this. Right calf contusion, a jammed toe, uh, a right quad injury, a left knee contusion, a right Achilles tendonitis, uh, strained Achilles, a left adductor tightness, uh, and then a, the left groin injury. I have the perfect example for Anthony Davis. The perfect example. Okay, here's the example. Think of it as a nice car that you might want, right? You know, even if you guys have it, think of a nice car that you might want. I'm thinking, you know, I'm talking like Mercedes S Class or E Class, maybe even a Ferrari or uh, a BMW M Series, right? This car gonna cost you about a hundred grand a hundred grand or more <laughs> depending on what you get a hundred grand or more right this car's gonna cost you a hundred grand or more but say you want it this is a nice car and you get it one day you pull into a gas station and mind you we just had the gas shortage just a few just several weeks back we had the gas shortage and the gas prices were sky high sky high <laughs> like ridiculously high um and even in some states, they're still pretty high. But say you want to put in this $100,000 car, in this nice car, say you want to put 87 in it. You want to put the regular gas 87 in this car. Now, mind you, mind you, I, I've already did the math. It usually takes 10 to 15 more dollars to fill up your tank with premium than it does with uh, 87 regular. You, it usually takes 10 to $15 more. I did the math. You usually take 10 to $15 more than, you know, to fill your tank with premium than it, will, than it would with regular, right? But you want to decide, you, you decide you want the regular gas. You get it. You put the regular gas in your car. Is your car going to start? Is it going to run? It'll run well. Yeah, it'll run. Your, your car will start. It'll, it'll go. But what's the point of getting a $100,000 car, 
with 400, 500 horsepower, with a turbocharged super engine, and you don't get the best performance out of that car. Now, you ask yourself, what gas will give you the best performance with the vehicle? It's going to be the 93 Premium. The people at the dealership, when you buy these type of cars, they tell you, hey, you're going to need this type of gas in this car. So what is, what's the point of getting 93 gas? That's the point. Because you put 87 regular, and like I said, I don't know for a fact if eating right and your fitness level and commitment level equals less injuries. I don't, I'm not sure. I, I can't factually back that up. Just like, hey, you put 87 gas in your $100,000 car, it is still run, but I'm not sure if you're going to get the full quality of performance that your car could offer if you put 87 gas in your car. And the same goes with 93. Now, I think if you put 93 premium in your $100,000 car, I think there's a higher chance that you're going to that you're going to be able to experience the ultimate performance level of your car. <laughs> Simple logic, right? And it goes it so so like that that goes back to my point. You can't go expensive with the car and go cheap with the gas. Okay? You can't go ex, you can't go expensive with the car and go cheap with the gas. And it goes back to Anthony Davis and even Joel Embiid. Jo Anthony Davis, you like the Lakers got to sit him down and they got to say, "Hey, Dude, you need to work on your diet. You need to do something about your diet. Uh, you hire a chef. You're, you're like, we need you to be committed to working on your body, caring about what your body looks like. Because AD is one of those guys where he's like, he's naturally gifted, naturally talented, a great hooper. You know, he'll lift weights when he has to. He'll work out when he has to. But he ain't really a grinder like LeBron. And I'm not saying you got to be LeBron or MJ. I'm not saying that. But you got to have a higher level of commitment. And like I said, you can eat right. You can work out. You can you, Your commitment level can be pretty high. And you can still get hurt. But I do. But, and, and like I said, I can't factually back it up. I, 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 I like I don't know for a fact if eating right and your and, and working out a lot and your commitment level equals less injuries. I can't prove that for a fact, but I do think there's an optimum level of chance where if you do these things, I do think the 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 risk of you getting injured it lowers. I do, I do. <laughs> I do think that. I do. Now Chad Ocho now Chad Ochocinco may think otherwise, but I do, I do. <laughs> I do a little bit. And and Chad is funny. Ocho Cinco is very funny. But my point is for Anthony Davis, you 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 gotta take care of your body. And I've said it, I, I've said it all along. Uh he's a game of operation. Anthony Davis is the game of operation. That that should literally be his next endorsement. If they still sell those game, those, like the game of operation, that should be Anthony Davis' next commercial. I know he got Nike. I know he got the Ruffles. He needs to add operation, the game of operation, because he's he's he would be he would be perfect. And I think Charles Barkley hit it right on the spot when he called them Anthony Street Clothes Davis. Pretty hilarious, but it's it's true. It's it's true. Um, so the Lakers and like the, these, this, this Laker team, they can no longer win. Like they have, they have to have Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis must be their best player in order for that, for the Lakers to win big. He has to be, he has to be, he just has to be. And speaking of health and LeBron James and so forth, it kind of, it, it's so funny because it kind of goes back to my point, ironically. Like LeBron James, he is very committed about his body. He is um, serious about what he eats and put in his body. 
Um, he's serious about his workout and fitness regimen, and he still got hurt. So, and, and like he's he still got hurt. And over two two of the last three seasons, two of the last three seasons, LeBron has dealt with some type of injury. Uh, the groin injury back in 2018, his first year in Los Angeles, uh, or 2019, excuse me, I think, yeah, 2019. 2019, first year in Los Angeles, that injury was more severe. It, that that injury was more severe uh, than the ankle injury, obviously. But then this past year, uh, this this past season, he dealt with the ankle injury. And I, I, I know, like, I know some people say, hey, LeBron wasn't 100 percent. He's 36. It's a lot. For, it's a lot for um, it's a lot. to. It's a, it was a lot for people to ask. LeBron to have that same 2018 type of production like his last year in Cleveland. I mean, he just, he full out carried that team and to ask LeBron to have that type of production or to have that 2015 production. It, that was, that was going to be a handful and some more. And let we gotta be we gotta be honest with ourselves. And a, a lot of you LeBron fanboys and fans, whatever, you got to be honest with yourself. LeBron has lost a step a bit. He's lost a step. Now, with me saying he's losing a step, that's not me saying he's terrible or he's washed. No, but he's just not the peak. Um, he's just not elite um, as or or not even. A, that's not even the best way to describe it. He's just not. He's just not he's just not as explosive. I mean, you guys saw that. That was on full display. He he's not as as, as he's not as explosive as he once was. I'm here to tell you guys, it's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong that LeBron lost a step in year 18. It's okay. Um <clears throat> I'm seeing some like let me let me let me just put this all in perspective. Throughout the series, did LeBron James show a lack of like did like the defense and the effort it like sometimes it wasn't there and it showed in game 5 and 6 like the fatigue you can still tell he wasn't 100% but i'm seeing people saying hey what does this do for lebron james legacy and i'm here to tell you guys it absolutely does it does nothing to lebron james legacy um it does nothing like it doesn't diminish his legacy. Obviously, it doesn't boost his legacy. It does nothing for his legacy. I don't. People were saying I saw people on the on Twitter and I mean people that have national shows, sports television shows, saying LeBron's legacy is at stake. No, I think there is a new reality towards LeBron. I do think there's a new reality for LeBron, but I don't think this diminishes. LeBron's legacy, it doesn't, it it, it doesn't, it, you, you, because like, think, think about it, year 18, some of you guys will argue, that you, some of you guys will argue me pins and needles, and you guys will come up with some statistical analysis to tell me, uh, or convey to me, that LeBron is the GOAT, so him losing in the first round is not going to change that argument, secondly, some of you, some of you, the other half of you guys, that you guys don't think LeBron is the goat. Some of you guys think LeBron is the second best player. Some of you guys think um he's top five. Some of you guys may think he's top ten or whatever. Um, I and you guys know where I stand. I think LeBron James is the second greatest basketball player ever. I think he's the second greatest behind Michael Jordan. Now, like I said, does is it like? Just because he lost in the first round, I'm not going to put him at five or anything. Like, no, he's not going to drop. With his 18 years of dominance, and I'm going to and I'm gonna break the dominance down, but his 18 years of dominance, like, it, it, the, he's already, his stuff is set in stone. His legacy is set, is set in stone. So him losing in a first-round series, I mean, what superstar hasn't lost in a first, like, Think about it. What all-time great hasn't lost in the first round? Michael Jordan lost in the first round. Uh, Larry Bird lost in the first round. <laughs> Tim Duncan lost in the first round. Kobe Bryant lost in the first round. 
it, it, all it is is we we live in such a reactionary and like recency bias society. Like society is full of reactionary, um, reactionary comments and 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 just responses and just recency bias. So it's fresh right now, and we're gonna be talking about it. But it's almost like like when like when these type of things happen to all time greats late in their career, we tend to even forget about it. Like we tend to even forget about it. Like Michael Jordan Wizards days, we like some like we like we don't even acknowledge that. We don't even acknowledge it. And like year eighteen, you know, no matter what happens, I don't I, like I said, I'm not so sure if the Lakers championship window is still open. I think it may be closing. If not, I mean, it may. It, I think it is closing, but it may even be. Some people may argue that it's closed, like their championship. Their championship window is completely closed. Now, you know, they can probably still add another third star, and I'm gonna get to that. But as far as LeBron and his legacy, it changes nothing. It changes nothing. If you think he's the goat. Him losing the first round is not going to change your argument. If you think if you don't think he's the goat, you're going to continue to think you're going to continue to think that he's not the goat. You're going to have MJ or whoever you think is the goat. Like it, it happens, but these like like I said, Michael Jordan late in his career, we forget we forgot that those Wizards days even happened. Peyton Manning, even though he won the Super Bowl in his last season, he did not look really good. But we don't bring that up. Like we don't, we don't. When we're talking about Peyton Manning, we don't bring his last year up as far as his performance. All we say is, "Hey, he won a Super Bowl. He won a Super Bowl." Nobody goes into depth of like how bad Peyton Manning looked because we can remember. Like if you were a lot, you know, obviously if you were alive and you were able to watch the games, you could tell Peyton Manning wasn't himself. And with LeBron. We are starting to see a lack of explosion. He doesn't have that same step. He just doesn't have it. it it's okay. Now, I'm a, now, now let me get into the let me get into the bulk of this thing. Because I know some people are saying, "Well, LeBron, he he, he what Let me let me first say this. LeBron James, welcome to the Western Conference. LeBron, welcome to the Western Conference. Because the West has always been different. The Western Conference has always been different. And I think I told you guys this a couple episodes ago. The Western Conference, we look like it's still the, obviously it's still the better conference than the Eastern Conference. But the Western Conference is not as good as it used to be. Like it's still, it's still, it's still the best conference, but it's not as good as it used to be. It's not as good as it used to be. But LeBron like he could he the you know the, you guys remember those championship runs some of those finals appearances are inflated he has ten, he so he's made what 10 finals appearances and, and, and remember the stretch he made like nine straight finals in 10 years that wouldn't happen in the western conference it's a fact it's a fact it just it just not it just would not help it would it would not happen in the western conference like that Nine nine straight finals in ten years, it would not happen like that in the Western Conference, especially in the two thousands and like pre twenty sixteen Western Conference. Like the Western Conference was loaded, it was loaded, and you all the way those Western Conference teams have always been really talented, and they have always been well coached, and they execute well. So. Like the Western Conference has always been deep and it's always been different. It's always been different from the Eastern Conference. So it's not, it's so, like I said, and once again, this doesn't diminish LeBron's legacy, but the finals appearances in the Eastern Conference, as we can all see, it's a bit inflated. It's a bit inflated. He wouldn't, he would not be able to go to nine straight finals in 10 years, nine, nine finals in 10 years. In the Western Conference, especially throughout the 2000s and like pre 2016, 2017, like pre 2016, the Western Conference was superbly good and 
and just obviously more superior than the Eastern Conference. And it's still the better, like I said, it's still the better conference right now, but it's not as deep as it once was. The Western Conference is not as deep as it once was. It just, it, it, it's not. So, and with these, and with these runs, as as I'm talking about the Lakers' uh, championship window with LeBron and AD, if you go back and think about it, and this is why, this is, it goes hand in hand. First, it's two things. First, we have to acknowledge. First, we have to. That's this is why we have to appreciate the three P. This is why. Because in, in modern basketball history, in mod, since modern basketball, there's been three three-peats. Twice done by Michael Jordan and one time with Kobe and Shaq. Three. Only three three-peats. This is why we have to appreciate the three-peat. Because when you think of LeBron teams, right, the teams that he's basically created, right, uh, back in, in, in Miami, in Cleveland, the second go around, even with the Lakers now, we always go back and we think about some of the, we think about those teams and we always look at those teams like they were great throughout their run, but it seems like their run was shorter than what we thought. Like they all, like eat, like Miami is the perfect example. The Heat Big Three is the perfect example. When the Heat first joined forces, when LeBron, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade first joined forces in 2010, if you would have told somebody four or five years later that they were only going to win two championships, you would have been called insane. They would they would have put you they that you would have been called insane. You would have been called stupid if you said five years later, back in 2010, five years later that. They would only win two championships, but they did. They only won two championships in four years, and it was a dominant run. They got to the finals all four years. They won two championships, lost two championships, and they won back-to-back championships. But we look at that Miami Heat squad and that Heat era, that Big Three era, and we always like, it seems like they underperformed and they won less championships than we than what we thought. And Cleveland. They won a championship, which was great, but like the championship window, it it it, it had evaporated really quickly. Like it it like Kyrie left after year three. <laughs> Kyrie left after year three. He just left. So uh, like they so so like these these teams that LeBron create, they always end like sooner. They end earlier than what we expect. They always end earlier than what we expect. And this has me thinking about the Anthony Davis situation with the Lakers and who's going to be their third star or whatever, or how do you know, how are they going to get that? Because literally people, some of you guys may think that the championship window for the Lakers have closed. I think it's closing but some people think it's closed. It's absolutely closed, and LeBron won't win another championship. And that may be that may be right because I do think the Lakers championship window is closing. I'm just curious: can LeBron attract the third star anymore? Because I've always made this argument, and I've always made this argument with LeBron with LeBron. LeBron, as great as LeBron is, as unselfish as he is and as his, and as his play style is, LeBron, he forces you to adapt to his play style. It's hard to play with LeBron. It's so much harder to play with LeBron. So when people, that's why I always, like when people, like people always say, LeBron makes this guy better and this guy better and this guy better. That's not always true because it's so hard to play with LeBron James. And that's not a bad thing, but it's just the mere fact that you have to fit within the refines of LeBron's play style. He can never adapt to you. 
And this goes in, for example, in, in contrast, when you look at a guy like Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, those guys, they can play basketball with anybody and they can adapt to just about anybody's play style because their play style is not dependent on them being the playmaker. They can play off ball and be just as effective and as dominant. And I'm not I'm not saying that this makes them better. Don't 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 misconstrue that. I'm not saying this makes them better, but it does make them easier to play with. It's easier to play with Kevin Durant than it is LeBron James. It's easier to play with Steph Curry than it is with LeBron James. With Steph, he can play with Steph and KD, they can play off the basketball. They don't have they don't need the ball to play make and play make for you. But with LeBron, oh my God. Kevin Chris Bosch and Kevin Love are prime examples. Chris Bosch in Toronto was a guy that averaged 24 and 24 and 8. A lot of you young kids don't know about Chris Bosch back in Toronto, but he was a guy that averaged 24 and 8. He can he can he was a great mid-range shooter. Um had a he, he was a skilled big man on the block. Kevin Love, a lot of you young, a lot of you young, you know, kids don't know about Kevin Love. Kevin Love in Minnesota was a walking 28 and 12 on the block. But when as soon as they teamed up with LeBron, their games had to evolve and they and they quickly had to adapt to LeBron's play style. And with that, that led to obviously their numbers going down. Um, their recognition, you know, they're not, they, they didn't get the same recognition that they were getting at, you know, when they were the guys of their own team, uh, they had to stand in the corner and shoot three. Like that's what their job was. That's, that's what their job really became. Kevin Love's job, shoot corner, shoot three pointers, stretch the floor, rebound the basketball. Chris Bosh's job, defense, rebound, shoot the basketball so you can spread out the floor. And I and that so that makes me go back to my point. Can LeBron and the Lakers attract the third star? I'm not sure. It is LA, it is the purple and gold, but I'm not so sure if LeBron at this magnitude can add a third star. It would have to be a perfect fit. It would have to be a perfect fit for LeBron. But I'm not so sure. And I'm very curious to see what the Lakers do in this offseason. Um, and this is really gonna show how good of a GM Rob Palenka really is. Um, but more on the Lakers on, you know, outside of the injuries, because obviously, let's be honest, if if Anthony Davis is fully healthy, the Lakers win this series, okay? If Anthony Davis is fully healthy, the Lakers win this series, <laughs> okay? I, I, like, I, I, you may, like, as much as you may want to argue it, the Lakers win this series with Anthony Davis being healthy. They win this series. But besides that factor of injuries, I think the Lakers last this year, I think they lost their identity. They lost their identity and what they do best and what won them the championship last year. Now, granted, looking back at it, that bubble championship uh, you know, it's 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 questionable because that bubble was a very weird place, and I'm not saying the bubble don't count, but the bubble was a very peculiar situation. How about we put it like that? A very peculiar situation in the bubble. But the Lakers' identity last year was defense, and we're and we're just bigger, and we're gonna outsize you. That was the Lakers in that was their identity last year. It, defense, size, and we have LeBron and AD, two top five caliber players, right? That's that that was their identity. And they lost their identity somewhere throughout the season. I don't know, maybe because of all of the miss of the injuries, and they never quite got back to that groove or to that point. But they lost their total identity this year. They lost their total identity, and I think the I think the the losses of Javale McGee and Dwight Howard and Rondo, I feel like that was a that was that was somewhat of a part of it, where they lost their defensive intensity 
and the numbers like this year, you you can look at their numbers. Their numbers defensively this year were pretty good. Like they were still a really good defensive team, but just by the eye test, you can tell they weren't the same team athletically, defensively like they were last year. Like not only did JaVale and Dwight Howard provide size, but they were also athletic. And they didn't they lacked that athleticism um defensively. Even though you can look at their numbers this year and they would probably line up with last year's defensive numbers, which were pretty good as well. But athletically, they were missing out on that on the defensive side of the basketball. And that's ultimately that's what happened. They lost, I think the Lakers lost their identity. I mean, I could talk about Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder, the nerve of him to want a hundred million dollars. The nerve of him to want a hundred million dollars is beyond me. The nerve of him to want a hundred million dollars is just beyond me. Kyle Kuzma, he he confuses me. Kyle Kuzma confuses me. I heard Kendrick Perkins say something which was pretty well. I didn't hear him say it. I saw a tweet, and it was pretty funny. He said, "Anytime Kyle Kuzma touches the ball, he turns the TV off because he don't want his son picking up bad habits." That that that, that that's ridiculous. That that is absolutely ridiculous. That's that's ridiculous. That it, it comes to a point where Kyle Kuzma. I re- I can remember the days where Kyle Kuzma, where people thought Kyle Kuzma was as good or if not better than Jason Tatum. Those were some wild times. Okay. Those were those were some wild times. And I can remember those times, but Kyle Kuzma confuses me so much. He confuses me so much. Sometimes some, one day he wants to play basketball. The next day he looks like he, he wants to be Amber Rose. He looks like Amber Rose. The next day he, he, he wants to like, I'm just so confused with the play and the inconsistency of Kyle Kuzma. But I do know what happened. L.A. got to him. The, the, the lifestyle of Los Angeles got the Kyle Kuzma because one day he wants to play basketball. The next day he, he wants to be Amber Rose. He, he looks like Amber Rose. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, the Andre Drummond experience, it didn't work out. I mean, Drummond, he is what he is. Um, if you're a true, if you're a true um basketball, like if you watch a lot of basketball games and you watch Andre Drummond, you you can be able, you could tell Andre Drummond is not as good as his numbers may seem. Okay. Uh Montreal's Hero, defensive liability. Yes, he gives a lot of hustle. Yes. He crashes the board. Yes, he plays with a lot of intensity, but he's a de- he's a defensive liability at the end of the day. Um, a lot of these other guys that they picked up, Marcus All, you know, just just not what he was. You know, he just doesn't have the same mobility. Wesley Matthews just doesn't have the same mobility. That's all. That's all. But I I do think the test of Rob Palenka's GM skills. I do think they're going to be put to work because now you got to pick you got to pick up the pieces because really realistically. The three guys that you have, like, that you know are core pieces, I guess, where the two guys that you know that's core pieces is LeBron and AD. I'm not so sure. Kuzma, under, he's under contract, but Kuzma, his play is just so drastic. It's just, I, 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 don't, I don't know. But we'll see what Rob Palenka does this offseason. We'll see. But this is the new reality to LeBron James. This is the new reality of LeBron James. He's lost a step. The teams that he often create, um, they 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 tend to end sooner than what we thought, and they tend to win win. You know, they don't win as many championships as we thought. Uh, his his finals appearances are a bit inflated, I think. But overall, I'm curious to see if he's going to be able to attract the third star because, as I mentioned, his play style, but. The two, the but GM GM Rob Palenka will be tested this offseason. Denver Nuggets, despite the injuries to Will Barton, uh, Jamal Murray, obviously, even a guy like PJ Dozer who gives them good minutes off the bench. Despite all of that, Nikola Jokic, who seems to be the potential MVP, along with Michael Porter Jr., Mike Malone, and so forth. A uh, couple, you know, Austin Rivers had some big-time moments. Uh, Monte Morris had some big-time moments. Aaron Gordon obviously doing his thing as well. The Denver Nuggets 
were able to eliminate the Portland Trailblazers in six games. And now, in the grand scheme of things, Damian Leonard. Damian Leonard's future is, it's it, you know, it's shaky right now. It's very cloudy, right? Uh, Terry Stotts, Terry Stotts, uh, the head coach of the Portland Trailblazers, I think he's going to be gone. I don't, I don't know. I, I think he's going to be gone. I think he's going to be gone by next week. But a net, but a net, but a, by the next time you guys hear my voice, I I don't think Terry Stotts will be the the, the the head coach of the Portland Trailblazers. That's just my gut feeling. Four out of the last five years, the Portland Trailblazers have lost in the first round. Four out of the last five years. And before I even go any deeper until into my soliloquy, I'm gonna play what Damian Lillard said last night. We didn't win a championship, so um, obviously what, where we are now isn't good enough. I don't know what, what a shakeup looks like or uh, what changes uh, will be made or could be made. But um, obviously, as is, it wasn't it wasn't good enough. Um, you know, we came up short against a team without their, without their starting point guard and shooting guard. Uh, will, will Barton didn't play, and Jamal Murray didn't play, and we came up short, so... Um, Obviously, where we are isn't good enough to to win the championship if it's not good enough for us to get out of a um, first round series uh, with you know two of their best three or four players not on the floor. That was Damian Leonard last night after the loss after the Blazers got eliminated. Uh, obviously, Dame had the big time, the big time playoff performance in Game Five, where he played excellent. Just as good as you can, still lost. Um, and he finished with 28 points in game six, and obviously the Blazers lost. So, like I said, I don't, I, I just can't see Terry Stoltz making it past next week. By the time, like I said, by the, the next, by the next time you guys hear my voice. I don't think Terry Stotts to be a Blazers head coach. I don't know anything. I don't have any inside sources telling me this or feeding me any news. I just have a gut feeling he's going to be gone probably. Uh, but the Portland Trail Blazers, here, 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 and I feel like the, the I feel like the frustration is kind of just boiling at this point. Uh, Damian Leonard, at, like I, as I mentioned. He had a cryptic uh, Instagram post last night, and it was how and it quote How long should I stay dedicated? How long to the opportunity meet preparation? Uh, a quote from uh, the late great uh, Nipsey Hussle, and I feel like there's a pull. Uh, there's a boiling point, guys. Like there's always people reach their boiling points, right? And I feel like there's always a boiling point. And I feel like Damian Leonard, as loyal, he's so honest too. In that in that clip, right that I that I played you guys, so brutally honest, so brutally honest. That clip right there, it showed you. Yeah, uh, Dame's ready to move on. I, I'm not gonna say Dame's ready to move on, but I do. I, like I can hear all of the frustration, all of like the failure. Like kind like the as a and I'm not saying like as an individual because individually he's great, but I'm saying as far as the team and the team accomplishments and accolades, it's they're, they're not great. They like I said, as I stated, they've lost in the first round four out of the last five years. Um some of those matchups, they haven't been favored. Some of them they were like everybody can remember the series where they lost to the Pelicans. I think the Pelicans were a six seed and Portland was a was a three seed and Portland just got annihilated. They got they got annihilated by by New Orleans. So those those type of series people still have in the back of their minds. Definitely I know Blazer fans still probably can remember that. But let me first start with the Blazers. The Blazers just have a bad they just have bad luck just in general as an organization. They just got bad luck. Like simple, they just got bad, bad, bad luck. 
I mean, we can start in the 70s with Bill Walton. Bill Walton, all-time great uh, college basketball player at UCLA. All-time great, right? Bill Walton, great center. Won a championship with the Blazers, but uh, got hurt. Never really, you know, it didn't last long. Got hurt big. You know, that story. Fast forward, another big comes their way by the name of Sam Bowie. Sam Bowie, I think I, I talked about Sam Bowie um, a couple, I, I think I, I, talked, I talked about Sam Bowie um, on my podcast before. Sam Bowie is like, he was in the 80s, because uh, that's where he played. He played that Kentucky, great big uh, Kentucky. He was like the modern day big. Like he was, he was, he was born at the wrong time. He was playing basketball at the wrong time. Like his game would have fit in the like mid two thousands. His game would have been perfect. His game would have been perfect like for like the mid two thousands or you know even around this day and age. Like his game would fit. Um, Sam Bowie, big, seven footer. You know, dealt with a lot of lower extremity injuries. Didn't last long. The Blazers drafted him. Didn't last long. Uh, you, Sam Bowie was in the same. I think he was in the same draft class as Michael Jordan. Uh, and I came Elijah on and so forth. Um, you can fast forward to Brandon Roy. Great, great guard. Phenomenal talent. Knee injuries, knee procedures. Knee didn't last up. It didn't last. He had he he had so much time left to we had he had to retire early. Um Greg Oden in the Kevin Durant draft. Greg Oden. Greg Oden was number one pick. The Blazers had a chance to get Kevin Durant. They took Greg Oden. Greg Oden didn't work out. Greg Oden had injuries. <sighs> wow. So the Blazers have not have a lot of like their luck. Hasn't been great. Um, but with this, with Damian Leonard, they have failed to get him the represent pieces. And at this point, they can either blow it up um, or they can they can uh they can go up to Dame and say, Hey Dame, okay, who's a guy that you really want to play with? Are you friends with any stars? I, and I know that's not like Dame isn't cut from this cloth of you know trying to build super teams and join up, but but it's the only way the Blazers are going to get better or or have a chance in the Western Conference, or they can just trade Damian Leonard, or he can you know do the James Harden thing or do the Carmelo Anthony thing and you know say I want out and I you know I want to be gone, but. I, and I don't want to predict the future for Damian Leonard because it's so early in the off. Like it's so early, like the off season. We're not even in the off season yet, and I don't want to engage in these type of conversations quite yet, quite yet. But it is, it, it's important to mention that I think I, I do think Damian Leonard has reached a boiling point. Um, people have been clamoring for Damian Leonard to be in a bigger market. He's in the Pacific Northwest. Not a lot of people watch. So a lot of people want Damian Leonard to be in a market like a Los Angeles or New York. Even a market like a like like Dallas. Like even a market like it don't even have to be like a big time market, but it can be a medium-sized market like Dallas or um or or, or Miami. Like they people want people just want to see more Damian Leonard than what they have over the last several years that he's been stuck in Portland um, or throughout his whole entire career, I should say, that he's been stuck in Portland. So, uh, like I said, I think the two main points is I think Dame has reached the bowling point. Um, I don't think Terry Stotts is going to be the head coach at the, by the end of the weekend. Uh, I don't, like, by the time, but next time you guys hear my voice, I don't think Terry Stotts will be the coach. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I really do think that. Uh, but the Blazers, tough, tough luck. The Blazers got tough luck as well. Not, 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 they don't have good luck at all. Um, so let's move to, let's talk about a little bit about, uh, Clippers Mavericks. You know, are we, you know, the Clippers are facing elimination tonight. 
And uh, yeah, me, I probably talk a little bit about Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge. I forgot to mention, so much has been happening this week. Like, so much in the sports world has been happening this week. And I always tell you guys, it's not coincidental. It's not coincidental. Uh, so, Mike Krzyzewski, I forgot to mention, Coach K, legendary college basketball coach, probably the greatest college basketball coach of all time. Um, you know, John Wooden's pretty up. You know, John Wooden's up there, obviously. Uh, but Coach K, I mean, he's Coach K. <laughs> He's Coach K. Mike Krzyzewski, he announced that um, after the 2021-2022 the season, which is – so after this upcoming season, he's going to retire. He's going to retire as Duke's coach. He's not going to coach Duke anymore after this season. After this upcoming season, he's going to retire. And I can sit up here and talk about how great Coach K has been over the last 30-plus years and all of the Duke players and all of the success at Duke and a 1,000 wins and uh, five national championships and how, however many uh, Final Fours and, you know, the players, the legend, you know, just everything, the legacy of Coach K at Duke, right? I could give you a whole spill about that. You guys, you guys know how good Coach K is um, in the powerhouse that he's turned Duke into. Duke is a notable name. Like Duke is like Duke is synon. Like when we're talking about college sports and just the greatness of certain programs and institutions. You know, we mentioned Alabama football. We mentioned Duke basketball, Ohio State football. Like it's in that same rim. Even with like notable, like Duke is hate. Like so many people don't like Duke. Even like the like the top tier teams, just in the U in this country. Like think of the top. Think of the most hated teams in this country. Like the Cowboys, the Yankees, the Lakers. And then Duke. Like Duke is like right up there. <laughs> Duke is like right up there in that upper echelon, you know, people, people don't like the Cowboys. People don't like the Lakers. People don't like the Yankees. People, people don't like Duke basketball. People don't like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Do people like, I don't know. I don't know if people hate Alabama football. I don't know. Maybe, maybe do people do hate Alabama football? If I was to ask the people down South, <laughs> any any southern state outside of Alabama, they probably don't like Alabama football. But yeah, it, like you get my point. Duke Duke is up there. But I don't find it coincidental that a few months, just like not too long ago, Roy Williams retired. I don't find it coincidental that Mike Shiseski is announcing his retirement. Uh, at the end of this upcoming season, I don't, I don't find it. I, I do find it very interesting. Um, or I, I don't find it coincidental that Indiana Duke and North Carolina, like three of the most, like though, when you're mentioning college basketball, those are three of the most like top 10 storied like programs in college basketball. So those, those three storied, programs are going to have three new coaches come well Sasevsky still got one more year but you get my point you like you get my point new regime new face right and I, I don't know I don't it, like I, I think obviously age obviously you know coach K Roy Williams he they've been doing it for such a long time like I look at I, I look at Jay ba Jim Beheim like Jim Beheim's been <laughs> Jim Beheim's been coaching at Syracuse for so long He's been coaching at Syracuse for so long. He's been at Syracuse for like 40 years. 40 years. Um, so obviously age is a factor. Like, you know, you get older, you got grandkids, you, you know, want to spend time with family. I get it. Obviously. Definitely, definitely. I think that's definitely one of the factors, obviously. But 
I think there's some other dynamics too um to this announcement. I think um like if you don't think they're like if you just think this is all just simultaneously just happening coincidentally, I don't think you're reading the room. Uh, especially within like the college basketball landscape, because college basketball, the transfer portal, I'm not, I don't, I don't know if Coach K is so, I don't know if he's in cahoops with the transfer portal. I don't think he's, I don't think he's jumping over hula hoops about the transfer portal. Uh, Coach K, the college basketball had a, a rough year with COVID too. Like we talk about the professional sports with you know, dealing with COVID-19, but collegiate sports and, you know, college basketball, they dealt with some rough, you know, they had some tough times with dealing with COVID-19 as well. And Coach K was very vocal about that. Now, some would argue that Coach K was erupt about that situation because Duke wasn't as good um, as they usually are, they weren't Duke caliber, and some may say, Well, Coach K is just sincerely, you know, he sincerely cares about the kids. All of this is just, I think, it is a dynamic and a shift taking place within the college basketball landscape of how we know it. Uh, <laughs> the emergence, well, I wouldn't say the emergence of the G League, but the G League, it's happening. You know, some of the top kids passed up on college and they went to the G League. Not all of them, but some of the top kids did. You know, who's going to be the number one pick? You know, Kay Cunningham's going to be the number one pick, but Jalen Green, you know, Jonathan Kaminga, you know, there's kids. Kids didn't go. Kids didn't go to college. You know, they went to the G League. And I think there's going to be more that follow into those footsteps. Uh, now, whether that's the right decision or not, you know, it, I think it's just – uh, it's a case by case example. Um, but I think just the landscape of college basketball and how it's changing, I think that also plays a part in Coach K's uh departure and retirement retirement at Duke. Uh great career. Obviously, I mean, like I said, I can I can run through people forget about the team USA accomplishment as accomplishments as well. I mean, I can run through all of the things that we all that all of us should know at least about Coach K and how great he is. I could. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that quite yet because he still got one more year left. But I do think the the sea of change is happening within the college basketball landscape, and we we've been at the we've been at the precipice ever. Like we've been at the the shift of college basketball. We've been at that precipice for a while. We've been at that precipice for a while. And now it's starting to, like, simultaneously happen. You know, and like, for instance, the one-and-done thing. Coach K, it took Coach K a while to come around to the one-and-done thing. You know, he finally did it with Kyrie Irving. Didn't have much success, but that's more so because Kyrie Irving was hurt. Uh, you know, obviously he had Zion. You know, but then this past year, the one and done thing didn't quite work out. You know, like the kid that they had, you know, kind of like it was just a detriment to the season. So I think all of that is some factors in between as to why Coach K uh, is retiring. Like I said, I, I, there's probably multiple reasons. Uh, like I said, obviously age, just wanting to sit back and relax and, and enjoy family. That's always a a thing. Um, like I said, I, I think there's just a dynamic, and you people know when, like certain when people like smart people know, and I think Coach K is very smart. I think Mike Krzyzewski is very smart. So, and smart people know when it's time. Like they know when it's time to wrap it up. Smart people know, and I think, and I would consider Coach K. A very smart, intelligent man, and I think he knows it's time. You know, maybe re losing touch with the kids. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I think there's multiple dynamics, and I think the dynamics of college basketball. I don't think it's coincidental that 
Roy Williams retire. Uh, Indiana's going to have a new coach. Duke is going to have a new face, a new coach at after the end of this year. Uh, Arizona's going to have a new coach. So there's just a lot of moving pieces and some big-time notable brands and programs in college basketball. Um, speaking of retiring and stepping down, Boston Celtics. Boston Celtics also made some moves. The Boston, the Boston Celtics all also made some airwaves with the retirement. So Danny Ainge, he stepped down as the GM of the Boston Celtics. You know, you know, he's handled all the pre, you know president of operations, whatever you want to call it. He steps down, but even probably more surprising to people, Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens was promoted to president of operations slash GM of the Boston Celtics. Uh, Brad Stevens said, you know, I saw a report that Brad Stevens was kind of wore out from coaching uh, since the bubble. It's been that way for him. And, you know, Danny Ainge, I kind of felt like his time in Boston was kind of winding down at some point. Mr. Don't take any risk. Uh, you know, don't want to take anything out of my 401k. I thought his time was winding down anyway. Um, I think I don't want to, you can't label as, as, as hesitant, as non, as non-aggressive as the Celtics and Danny Ainge has been over the years. I don't think it's necessarily fair to call it a failure. But I do think uh, I do think it was a bit underwhelming. A bit they underachieved. The Celtics massively underachieved because when you think of the Celtics, you think of this big time notable brand. And Celtics fans may not like this when I say this, but I've been talking about the Steelers a lot. The Steelers like to hold on to the past, you know, their past ways. And the latest example of that is the Steelers. They just can't seem to let go of Big Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Roethlisberger, uh, you know, Roethlisberger, he he clearly is just not it anymore. Stillers, you know, elected to keep him. I, I feel like the Celtics, they find themselves being really reluctant to not make a move. They don't want to. They don't want to be aggressive. They don't want to take any risk, any chance. And I think a lot of that has to do with Danny Ainge. And that's why I'm I'm kind of curious to see what Brad Stevens does. I don't know what he would like. I don't. He's a smart guy. Brad Stevens is a smart guy, but I don't know what to look like. What to think of? Like what kind of GM he's going to be? Is he going to be that risk taker? Is he going to be that financial type of guy? Is he you know? Is he not? Is he going to be same? Is he going to be a the very you know? Is he going to be similar to Danny Ainge? Don't want to take any risk, any big swings. I don't know. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily failure, but I do think it's underwhelming and under like they, they definitely underachieve, uh, at least with Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens. Like I said, you guys know the question that I have that I have posed about Brad Stevens and it is, is Brad Stevens a championship level coach? I don't, I don't think he is. I don't think he is, but. That question still remains to be answered. It won't be answered because he, you know, he, he's moving up on. He's in the front office. But that was my whole big question. I felt like I felt like Dan, I felt like Brad Stevens was more of a player developer. Like he can take mediocre talent and and raise it up a little bit. That's what he does. Because that's what he did at Butler. Most of those guys that he had mediocre talents. But he raised their ceilings and, you know, fit them into his system, and it worked at Butler. When he first joined and when he first got the Celtics job, the talent was mediocre. He took it. He, you know, especially a guy like Isaiah Thomas a little bit, but he took that mediocre talent that he had with the Celtics, raised their, you know, he raised their ceiling up a little bit, and they turned into a pretty good basketball team. You know they 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 only missed the playoffs one time uh, since he's been there in his eight years, so you know we we'll, we'll see. Uh, but I don't think it's necessarily a failure. But the Celtics, Danny Ainge, and his time, 
he certainly did underachieve. Now, it is important to – he made two big trades, probably two of the biggest trades in the last probably like five, ten years, at, at least one. And you guys know the big-time trades that I'm talking about. It's the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce trade to the, to the Nets, and the Nets got absolutely hoodwinked. Um, <laughs> that was, that, that, that was a, you know, that's one of the best trades in league history. Uh, like I said, in the last 10 years, it's probably one of the more notable ones, uh, cause it was a highway, highway robbery. Uh, then, you know, and then Danny Ainge traded down for Jalen, for Jason Tatum. He traded down for Jason Tatum. So, you know, we'll see, uh, what happens, but. That's going to wrap it up here. Uh, the road team for this Clippers in Dallas series, it's been so weird. The road team has won all of the games. No home team has won a game. I think that trend continues. I think the Clippers, they have fight off elimination. They have forced a game seven in the series to head back to L.A. Uh, so, yeah, the road, the, 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 the home team, seem, they just can't take advantage of the home court advantage. The road team continues to win. Uh, so I go with that. I stick with that trend. But without further ado, I'll let you guys go. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your Saturday. I'll be back on Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. I'll be back. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Always remember two choices, one decision. I'm out. Peace, gone. Enjoy. <laughs>